Straight from the WCHL studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, 97.9 The Hill presents the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show with your hosts Chris and C.L. Brown. Tonight, the brothers discuss the inconsistency with NFL discipline, Miss Sarah Little's learning curve, and welcome Kimberly A. Martin, senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports. And now, your ticket to the backyard brawl, the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show. Deck the hill with sibling rivalry. C-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L. I'm not as stylish as you, and I don't try to be. C-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L. Dawn, we now are Ravens apparel. C-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L. Like Donkey Kong, we'll crush a team with a barrel. C-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-
Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying they're two different things, though. They are two different things. So you you got to deal with this one in a certain way. You got to deal with this one in a certain. So way. you're saying the the game is more important than the people. I have definitely not said anything close to that, CL. You know, I think there's a large assumption that you're making, and that's that guys are guilty. I'm not making an assumption that guys are guilty. I'm making the assumption that the investigation hadn't even taken place. You can't call that an investigation when you don't even try to obtain the video that a hotel had. Now, they said they tried to obtain it from the hotel, and the hotel says, well, we give it to the police. Right. Kansas City Star, USA Today, Wall Street Journal all reported that the NFL did not talk to the Cleveland police about obtaining the video until TMZ released the video and it came out. Then it's like, oh, by the way, yo, y'all got that tape. <laughs> can we can we see a copy of that right. tape? No, now? they didn't know about the video. Man, this is 2018. That yes. happened in a hotel. You, okay. Everybody knows hotel has surveillance camera all up in the hotel. And you're going to tell me, they, they come on, the NFL security has former, former law enforcement individuals that work for them. Right. Again, I say it's not a priority from the league. And these people that work in NFL security will only do what they're instructed to do, and it hasn't been made a priority. Okay, so, so yeah, that's where you and I, obviously, we differ because I don't think that they're saying if this is not a priority, we're not going to look at this. I think they're saying we are a football league. We're a football league, and we will do our best to investigate these things, but we are limited in what we can investigate. And we cannot – we are not NFL uh, version of the CIA or whatever. We, we investigate what we can, and there's also the player-coach front office relationship that I don't think can be overlooked. If you say – I assure you, coach, I'm looking you in the eye. I assure you nothing's going to come out of this. It was just a little blip on the radar. We're, we're moving on. We're moving on. I, I think there's something to say there. There's something to say, okay, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. But if there's anything, no, coach, there's nothing. Okay, then let, let's, let's move. Let's move. <laughs> I'm laughing because if a player is hurt and you can see them limping and you ask them, hey, can you can you make it out there? Can you give it a go? And they're telling you, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't have an ankle problem. Yeah, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. Would you just take their word for it, or would you go over to the doctor and say, hey, what do you think about that ankle? And the doctor's like, nah, man, that stuff is busted. Like, you always, yes, you, you might want to get somebody's input. You always take that input in, in mind. But you got to go a step further, especially in an incident like that, especially in 2018 when we've already seen examples of stuff that has happened and come back to bite teams and to bite the league. You don't just take somebody's word for it and that be okay. That's well, that's incredibly naive of the of the Kansas City Chiefs to do that. Oh no. Well, yeah, you. So that's your perspective. That is not my perspective. Is, is that that must be the way that they build rapport and build relationships? They wanted to ex- exhibit trust. Man, they, that don't they, have anything to do with with uh, they. They didn't want to seem like they didn't trust him. You you have to do your due diligence. You have to do your due diligence. Which they did. They felt they like did they did do their, due, their due diligence. If but, they did their I'm due diligence, saying, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it right now because it wouldn't be an incident from February that just got this guy released. I just don't understand. Okay, so you're saying the reason you're upset is because they didn't see the video back in February? Is that my my, my, <laughs> my passion with this right now involves that the league seems to not care. They seem to not care about this. 
And we could talk about Reuben Foster, too. They seem to not care. They have a blind spot for whatever reason. And it shouldn't be a blind spot at this point because we've already two. seen two domestic violence. Kareem Hunt's not domestic violence. Well, to violence against women in the league. We we seem to have, have a blind spot for the league. And, and I won't even say a blind spot. I'll say they don't care. Okay. I will say they don't care. CL, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt— do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt what happened with Foster? Nobody knows beyond a shadow of a doubt about Foster. But here's the thing. The the NFL, the commissioner should have stepped in to say, hey, Reuben Foster's on the commissioner's exempt list now. After this arrest, before a road game in Tampa Bay, which wasn't his first rodeo, this was like his third uh, incident in like four months. I think I think that's the... That's the uh, I think that's the right amount of yeah yeah and so you say hey what 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 would be wrong with that what would what would have been wrong if if Commissioner Goodell steps in and says that nothing like you don't want any teams touching it right now until we figure out what exactly happened because I don't know and you don't know so so why why are you allowing this team to just pick him up after but but he's not he is not going to set foot on that field for a very long time. We don't know that. No, no. We we do know that he has a lot. That's what they've said. The Redskins said that Jay Gruden said that he has a lot to work. You know, even if this clears, he has a lot. So to So just because they through. said that, you believe it? Okay. You're the one who okay. told me when somebody tells you what they are. Said you might. You when my somebody injury. shows you who they are, believe, believe them. them. So yes. if, if, if and Ruben Foster by having all these run-ins, he's shown you. Who he is? But what about one of the run-ins? Wasn't one of the run-ins the 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 girlfriend came and said, uh, "None of this is true. None of this is true." See, she's not the most credible source, but okay. because I do believe she recanted uh, uh, one of the first incidents or whatever. But this is the third time. Okay. So, like, <laughs> wait, it's the third time. What? This is the third incident Ruben Foster has had. I know. And so uh, here's the other thing involving women, though. Here's the other thing too. The 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 Washington, the powers to be at Washington, uh, they didn't do their due diligence with the investigation. That's that's what it all comes down to. It's not that people as long as you're human and breathing, there are going to be people that get involved. Domestic violence, domestic issues, domestic assaults is not an NFL issue. It's an issue throughout this nation. Okay, so let me get that straight. I'm not blaming the NFL, but how you handle it. Yeah. Is specific to the NFL, and I don't think they are handling these issues. They they are just allowing things to take place, and they're they're just. <laughs> it's like there's no policy in place to handle what's going on. You know what's going to go on, so you should be thorough about investigating and having some kind of consequence if that person is guilty. Okay, well, there you have it, folks. A very fiery issue, and we're going to come back firing a little more on this issue with senior NFL writer from Yahoo, Kimberly A. Martin, who has written a smoking hot column on this. You're going to want to come back and hear Miss Kimberly A. speak here on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill.
Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we are joined by Yahoo Sports senior NFL writer, Kimberly Martin. Kimberly, how are you today? I'm good, guys. How are you? We are great. Great. Doing well. I'm always a little bit better than my brother, but you'll find that out as we go through these. If that were true, interview. you would have said Kimberly A. Martin. That That's what I was going to say, but go ahead. <laughs> I appreciate that attention to detail right there. I that. See, this is uh, this is how our back and forth goes, as as uh, you might imagine. Welcome, welcome to our back. <laughs> welcome to the tennis match. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wanted you on the show specifically. Our first segment we covered domestic violence in the NFL's policy or lack thereof, depending on how you view it. And you wrote a column this week on Yahoo Sports about uh, Kareem Hunt and Reuben Foster. And uh, I, I thought it was an excellent piece that you did, and, and we wanted to kind of get your input and your take on this issue as well. And one of the things that you brought out in the column um, that I wanted to ask about was, why why do you feel like the NFL didn't learn from the Ray Rice video and incident? And, and well, I shouldn't say didn't learn, but they didn't implement hard policies from that point on to where stuff like, the Ruben Fosters and the and the Cream Hunt stuff doesn't happen anymore. Uh, well, I appreciate you uh, reading reading the article and thinking it was decent. Um, so the whole the column that I had was it was last week was crazy, but from the it was a lot to unpack and digest from Ruben Foster being picked up by the Redskins and then the Cream Hunt thing. The two situations: one is domestic violence, the Hunt thing. It, it's a woman he doesn't know, but both both incidents uh, are regarding violence against women. And so what I don't understand from a league perspective is, and this is one thing I wrote too, it feels like we're back in 2014, because you now have TMZ releasing video of a prominent NFL player, and the NFL now is sort of left with a tent down like, well, uh, this is new information. Uh, we have to we have to review this, and our investigation uh, is going to continue. Um, my question is: This incident happened in February, so what did the investigation you were supposed to be doing? What did it, you know, lead you? Like, what information did you get from your your investigation? And apparently, the answer is nothing. Um, I don't. I don't. I think that the, the part of this is, well, TMZ is going to pay for, they're going to pay money to get these videos. Yeah. They're going to pay people. That might be an ethical decision where the NFL feels like we don't do that. That's not what we do. Um, but I think, you know, where you had Kareem Hunt, even on ESPN, saying, uh, I never heard from the NFL. The NFL didn't call me. And the NFL's point was, well, you know, we tried to reach... We tried to reach the woman, but um, we couldn't. So we didn't talk to we didn't talk to Cream Hunt. To me, that's problematic. So your question as to why they haven't learned or why they haven't implemented something different, I wish I knew the answer. I think that's why that's partly why I wrote the column because it's so frustrating seeing these things happen. And um, every case is different. Reuben Foster, all his stuff, that's different from Cream Hunt. Mm-hmm. Different from Ray Rice, different from Joe Mixon. So my my 
point is not to conflate them all and say they're all the same situation, all the punishments should be the same. Mm-hmm. I just want to see the NFL investigate these incidents, go to go to great lengths to talk to as many people in regards to these situations, particularly when it when it involves violence against women. Talk to all sides. They went above and beyond in the deflate gate situation. I mean, I don't care about deflated footballs as much as I can. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no doubt. About why are people putting their hands on women? So that's the hypocrisy that I don't understand. Okay. All right. Well stated, Kimberly. So let me ask you this. How, how much do you weigh the word of a player and, you know, kind of the player-coach, player-front-office relationship if if there was, I'm sure, intense conversations had, and Kareem Hunt is assuring them, no, this is not something that's going to bite us. This is not something that's serious. He said he didn't even realize, and I mean, this is a bad oversight by him, but he said he didn't even realize how bad it was until he saw it. So, so that's, mm-hmm. that, that's problematic. Yeah, okay, I, I say that. I admit that. But, but th- he told them it's not going to come back and bite us. At that point, do you feel like they should not have believed him, or what do you, what do you do there? Well, so I understand the Chiefs' point is, well, he wasn't truthful. I get that. So it's sort, of, you know, you kind of put your hands up, like, what are we supposed to do? Um, since the the Friday release of this this TMZ video, now we're up to three incidents with Kareem Hunt. You know, got a. In January, there's a report about a Kansas City altercation at Kansas City nightclub. February is him shoving and, and kicking this woman that he didn't know. Um, and then, there, you know, there are reports of another incident that happened in June in Ohio. So to me, what I find troubling is, is there a pattern with this player? Um, if the first incident, if something did happen in Kansas City, uh, the Chiefs weren't aware of it. All these resources, all these security, like it didn't come back somehow. Nobody heard of anything. I d- I'm not saying that that executives or, or coaches shouldn't trust that their players will be honest. And if, if your player tells you one thing, then that should just be word is bond. Like you should be able to say like, okay, he looked me in my eye and told me the truth, so that's it. But we can't be naive. I mean, like that. In theory, the Chiefs should be should you know they should be able to ask the player and trust that he tells them the truth. But life isn't like that, you know. You you're an organization. Everything your players do, your coaches, it affects the brand. So if nothing happened, then just go a step further. You know, you, I, I think the stakes are too high sometimes to just say, okay. N- nothing happened. Oh, I just stayed in my room. Well, why are you? Why is your name being dragged in this? You know, and you. And if the answer is he's telling the truth, you got to investigate. Though you got to go the extra step. That's all. Okay. All right. I can feel you on that. Let me shift gears here for a second, then, um, because you also were on staff at the Washington Post covering sports, and uh, I was just wondering. About, I, I would imagine that you had some interaction with Doug Williams while you were there. Is that, am I assuming mm-hmm. too much there? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, what did you think then? I'd love to hear what you thought about, you know, his, on the Reuben Foster situation, his, you know, what he was saying, um, his release, uh, his take on it. What do you think about that? 
Oh, I know, I know Doug. Um, you know, Doug, Doug and I are cool. I, I like Doug a lot. I have a lot of respect for Doug. Uh, not just, just as a person, but what he means as far as his, his career and what he was able to do as a black quarterback. A lot of respect for Doug. Kimberly, you, mu- you must, y'all must know each other because you're calling him Doug. And for me, that is Mr. Williams, sir. So just wanted to point that out. <laughs> Okay, fair. But I'll be honest, I was picked off by not only the statement that he put out mm-hmm. explaining why the team uh, decided to put in a claim mm-hmm. on Ruben Foster, and then I was even more ticked off by his apology. And that was another thing that sparked me to write the column. Because, A, the, and I think Doug being front and center in all this is also a failure on the part of the Redskins. Exactly. Because uh, it wasn't just a Doug Williams decision to put in a claim for Ruben Foster. Every From the head coach to Doug to the owner, Dan Snyder to the president, Bruce Allen, who really is the guy making deals when it comes, you know, he's the guy that, that secured Alex Smith. You know what I mean? So he's the deal maker. So for all these people not to be in a room and, and decide, yes, you know, we're going to go through with Foster. We're going to put in that claim. I thought that that it made Doug look really bad. But Doug is a big boy, and he the words that came out of his mouth, like, that didn't sit well with me. And the assumption that, well, in the apology, it's, well, I'm, you know, I'm a father of six girls, six daughters, and I, my wife, and this has been very, I realized how insensitive the word sounded. I didn't mean, you don't have, you don't have to have daughters. You don't have to be married. You don't have, you could live in a house with four cats or four squirrels. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter how, like, if you are related or have any women in your life. It is a simple, to, to minimize violence against women and to, to say, to minimize it in a way where, well, I mean, look at other people in higher positions of power. I mean, they, this is small potatoes compared to that. Well, it's not small potatoes to other women who are in in abusive relationships or just it shouldn't be small potatoes to just people in general like everybody should kind of everybody should take a step back and say well how come the Redskins were the only team like what's up with that they're the only team to put in a waiver claim that tells you 30 other teams are sort of like you know what not really worth it why did those teams think that but not the Redskins why is it that in trying to explain the explain the decision now we've got people tripping over themselves. You know, like, that's the stuff that bothers me. But I, I, I you know, Doug is great. But just because you have respect for people doesn't mean that, that you agree with everything they say. What I wondered, Kimberly, was why didn't, why didn't Ruben Foster automatically go on the commissioner's exempt list at that point? Uh, why, why wouldn't the league just step in and say, okay, to, to save our owners and teams from themselves, let us say nobody touched this guy for a second. At least <laughs> let's let some more information come out. Let let the process work out a little bit more. That's a, that's a great question. Uh, the fact that – and that's why I feel – like the league, the, the hypocrisy in the league, it's sort of like you have a win-at-all-cost culture. And it's not just the NFL, you know, but with the NFL, if you, contact, you know, everything it's geared towards we got to win, we got to win, we're going to do everything that we can. So teams are under pressure to, I mean, look, Dallas took a chance on Greg Hardy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so teams make that, in my opinion, I'll just speak for Kimberly A. Martin, teams make a lot of bad decisions as far as, ignoring 
someone's history or saying, you know what, maybe they make miscalculations as far as assessing someone's um, character all the time. But it's all in the it's all in the quest of trying to win every Sunday or Thursday or Monday. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the bottom line. So they're in that environment. The NFL has, you know, if you're going to allow a player to be claimed. You know, then obviously a team is going to say, well, we could get this. We'll take a chance. Like, we don't really know what's going to happen from the legal standpoint or from whether he's going to be suspended or not. But we have a chance to get Reuben Foster on the cheap. And if nothing happens, if he's able to play for us next season, then we got a talented player for, for really nothing. You know, we're going to take this PR hit now, but it'll count on Sundays when he's on the field. That shouldn't even be an option because there is a history here and yeah. and we don't know what's going to happen as far as his court case we we just don't know and and i think the nfl should have a system in place where they don't if, if you're a repeat offender you know there are questionable off the field issues you shouldn't just be able to cut a guy stash a guy in in the hopes that oh well maybe if this all goes away he can play for us at some point yeah Okay. Uh, Kimberly, again, shifting gears. I'm the gear shifter. I'm shifting gears over here. I've, I've got trauma. I just came back from Europe and having to shift gears with my left hand. Okay, so anyway, uh, we're, we're shifting gears okay. here. All right. That was a lot right there, but uh-huh. <laughs> Kimberly, we at Sibling Rivalry Sports like to, you know, do, have a three-dimensional picture of our guests. We respect and love them so much, and I just think it's so interesting. I'd love to hear a little bit of your story about why the NFL, like why do you love football why you know is it your passion can you tell us a little bit about that um why football honestly years ago i was given it i was told i had to be a beat writer uh, so i was given the choice of covering the new york nets the new york jets or the brooklyn nets when they were first moving uh out of jersey and so i just picked the jets so i've been a football beat writer full-time since 2012 uh, up until this this Yahoo gig um, and a columnist stint here and there, so I just that's I've just always covered sports. It just so happens that I picked the Jets several years ago, and because I didn't want to be on the road covering baseball for 162 games a year. I know um, that's right. So, so that's how I ended up here. But actually, now that I cover the NFL, now that I've been in the NFL covering it for so long, I like it in, because it allows. It's one of the few sports where I feel like it's such a team sport that that I think it's neat being able to go in locker rooms and get some of the stories. Like I feel like people, there's always a misconception to me about football players, like they're Neanderthals, that they're that they're dumb, like they're not intelligent. Uh, they're playing this barbaric sport. And you'll be surprised to to learn some of these stories. And I think also the fact that they're on the field, their faces are covered. I think. That in some ways, unless you're a recognizable guy like a Brady, a Breeze, a Rogers, or you know, a Mahomes or something like that, Le'Veon Bell. But for the most part, fans aren't seeing their faces during the games, and and I think my job has always been to peel back layers on people. And nice. I think the NFL, there are a lot of guys that that are misunderstood and and guys that people just make assumptions about and it's my job to kind of shed a light on who they are 
Well, you continue to do an excellent job on peeling back those layers. Uh, yes. What we didn't get around to mentioning was the, the column you also wrote on Amari Cooper, where it seems like he's kind of been a guarded, guarded player since he's been in the league, kind of quiet into himself, if you will. And I, I felt like you got him to reveal a lot about true. you know his unhappiness with the Raiders and everything. So yeah. True. Yeah, everyone should that. check that out. Yep. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yes. Well, you can find her work, Kimberly A. Martin, senior NFL writer, Yahoo Sports. Go check her out on, uh, on Yahoo Sports. And Kimberly, we... We we thank you so much for Absolutely, joining us today Yes, yes. Uh, on short notice and uh, wish you success the rest of the year. Absolutely. Thank you. No, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Let's do it again sometime. Gracias para retornar. Thank you for returning, or something close to that, to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. It's time for some college basketball. Who else? Who else to just bring us up on a topic other than C.L. Brown, senior college basketball writer, TheAthletic.com. C.L., what you got? Well, I wanted to focus today on tonight on uh, North Carolina's Nasir Little. There's, it seems like nationally, maybe a little bit more so than locally. Uh, there's been people questioning his playing time, and and essentially, when is Roy going to turn him loose? Kind of so that that kind of talk is out there now, mm-hmm. uh, because mainly looking back at the loss at Michigan when he only played 16 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, had four points. He didn't really have a good game, but as a reflection of the team, didn't really have a good game, at least in the second half of, of that loss. So uh, I, I want to ask the question, basically, at what point does Nasir Little need to play more? You know, um, and I think at this point, Roy has been bringing him along slowly. You, you can even go back to the St. Francis game where uh, in the post game, Roy and Nasir Little were talking about how uh, he was just starting to learn the four. They he, he learned essentially the wing spot. The two and the three is interchangeable mm-hmm. with the way Carolina runs their offense, and so. Uh, but the four is different, and the four keys a lot of reads that they make on offense. So it's 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 a whole another undertaking for him. Now I believe that Roy Williams was doing this in terms it, it, with the thought on going small later on uh, this season and having Nasir Little in there playing the four and moving Luke uh, Luke May over to the five, which, you know, mm-hmm. the way basketball is played now, you can get away with that because there are only a handful of guys, a handful of teams that have mm-hmm. true, true, exactly, back-to-the-basket uh, big men who will punish you if you don't have somebody who can play with them like that. But for the most part, you're playing against a bunch of, of uh, undersized, quote-unquote, centers, who like to step outside anyway, and uh, and everybody trying to be the next Kevin Durant and shoot three pointers and that kind of stuff. So, uh, so, but I think there's there's a detriment to doing it this way. There's a detriment to bringing him along slowly in the, in the way that they're doing it right now. Mm-hmm. And and I look at it from a recruiting standpoint, from a microwave society, if you will, standpoint, mm-hmm. because the kids today 
especially the elite ones, they want to go fast. They sure. want to have their stop in college a year and be in the league. Mm-hmm. That's it, you know. And so uh, an elite player might be looking at the situation like, I don't want to go there because right. I'm not going to get to play. Like a, a lot of kids you'll see around the nation essentially kind of get to work through their mistakes in real time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're on the floor because of their talent, not necessarily because they already have it down to where, you know, they have their system down and they're in the lineup playing because they necessarily deserve all of that. Mm-hmm. So um, it's 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 interesting to look at. Um and and how it will develop, I think, will say a lot about where Carolina's season is going. Question, CL. So you mentioned Michigan. That was his worst shooting game. You know, he only had four points. That's the worst shooting game of the season, one for five. I just wonder why Roy is doing this, bringing him along. Is what we saw there in those 16 minutes, is that some of what, the reasoning is that Roy would be bringing him along slowly, or was that just Michigan, or what? Well, I mean, I don't know. I kind of felt like that was just Michigan. That was the the first true road game for for this group. Uh, well, I mean, I shouldn't say first true road game. If it played the first two games on the road, that was that was a top five opponent. That was that was a different level road game that they played going into Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, no disrespect to Elon or Wofford, but mm-hmm. uh, that's Michigan is probably playing as well as anybody in the country right now. Mm-hmm. So they needed a different level of intensity and, and a different level of execution that they didn't have. So I, I wouldn't indict him off of that game, mm-hmm. but I also think that. Um, that there, there are some indications. I don't. I don't. I'm not necessarily sure that Nice Little knows all of the plays the way he needs to know them right now. Um, and a lot of people though are also looking at Kobe White, saying, "Well, why is Kobe this way? And he's starting, and he's you know playing 23, 24 minutes a game, and Nice Little is not. And and you know I I think that speaks to. It, it's two different. Uh, it's, it's basically two different situations with with what Carolina's position with point guard needing somebody to kind of take control right. of that position. True, true. And uh, you know, obviously, you have Cameron Johnson and Kenny Williams as seniors on the wing, mm-hmm. so it's not necessarily just the easy throw nice little in in the lineup and replace one of those guys. Mm-hmm. But I will say this about Carolina's leadership, Carolina's seniors right now, Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams, and Luke May, I throw him in there too. Um, I don't think they're carrying the weight right now like they need to be. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like all three guys have been complementary type players Mm-hmm. For for their careers, mm-hmm. and and I'm not even saying right now one of them needs to be the superstar or something and, and feel like they need to take over stuff, mm-hmm. but I feel like especially in that Michigan game, that's when you need somebody to be the alpha dog, to mm-hmm. be the guy who gets everybody else going, to be the guy to be like we're we're not going to lose this or we're not going to go out like we're going out right now, okay. and and I don't feel like I don't feel like they had that in that group. Mm-hmm. So then you feel like mixing it up and giving players that have, like, a, you know, the ceiling is the roof of talent, uh, you feel like that is a, a, just a, a legit way to go? Um, yes, I do. <laughs> All right, then give me a lineup, CL. Give me a lineup. I think the best lineup has Nasir Little at the five, and you take uh, – 
probably Garrison Brooks out. I mean, I see a little at the four. You okay, take okay. Garrison Brooks out at the five, move uh-huh. move Luke May over. Similar to what they did last year when Theo Pinson was playing the four. Right. And uh, and Luke May had to play the five and, and go with that. Because, as I said, I'm not sure that, you know, in terms of big men, that they're going to get killed by by most big men from teams they're playing. And I'm not sure that what Garrison Brooks is doing right now is so you know so instrumental to their success to where they can't take him out right so um but but we'll see i think i think we're headed that way anyway and where we're headed at sibling rivalry sports right now is to a break because this segment is running too long right now (laughs) so please come back and enjoy enjoy us on the flip side of this advertisement Welcome back, and thank you for coming back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. It's time for the Brownout. The Brownout. The Brownout, our segment where we hit on hot sports topics and give you a quick take. What's first? Urban Meyer announced he will retire after their Rose Bowl appearance. Is this the last we will see him on the sideline coaching? I don't believe it's the last time we're going to see Urban Meyer on the sideline. But the question is, will it be NFL or will it be another college town? Excellent, CL. Yeah, I would I would have to agree with that. Although I do believe what he's saying. I think it's because of health that he's going going out health of family. But I think the Cleveland Browns might have something to say. Shh. What's next? The Alliance of American Football is marketing itself as a developmental league for the NFL. Is that the right move? I think it's right move for Alliance, the Alliance of American Football to be a developmental league. It's coming in the spring. It'll be a time where we're football to pride. People will tune in and people will want to see like like minor league baseball. They want to see who makes it out of the league onto the big stage. They're going to be a developmental league until they develop into a full throttle professional spring league. That is their plan. I do not believe they're going to stay. Look at their marketing. It's so bold. It's so big and bold. They really have the piece is in place too and i want you out there folks to google the connection between them and the old xfl there's a big one what's next former iowa state coach fred hoiberg was just fired as head coach by the chicago bulls is he better suited in college basketball or the nba i don't i haven't had a a lot of exposure to fred hoiberg but from the little i do know about him it just seems like his temperament is better suited in college basketball where you have kids trying to learn and not kids who have contracts bigger and longer than yours <laughs> yes uh, what did you tell me he was called the mayor of ames is yes. that right and when he was out at iowa state anyone who gets that moniker needs to stay and remain in a college setting next with alabama clemson notre dame and oklahoma all making it did the college football playoff get it right what do you think Sio? They got it right. Georgia, I didn't want to see another rematch of Georgia-Alabama. Um, just because they played tight in one game doesn't make the course of the season what they did any better than anybody else. Oklahoma was the right number four to be in there, and you got to give Notre Dame credit for an undefeated season. I still hope that Clemson, Notre Dame, or Oklahoma will emerge. I do not want to see another Alabama championship. You and I both, we got to admit that. I, I, You know what? I, I, I would have liked to have seen Georgia just for the sake of I think they could they could eliminate Alabama in that first round. I think I just don't see any chance at all for Oklahoma, too. Although I do think they got it right in getting Oklahoma and definitely not Ohio State. 
Let's move on. Well, let me just backtrack a second. Shout out to UCF, man. They, we need an 18 oh, yeah, playoff right. because they, yeah, they deserved yeah. a shot. Absolutely. I wish. I wish. Okay. Former Clemson quarterback Kelly Bryan announced he's transferring to Missouri. Do you like his choice? And last but not least, this question. I'll let you go first on this because you uh, were so passionate about making a pitch to see if Kelly Bryant would come here. Did you see that I was like 11th hour tweeting his his account and and saying things? <laughs> I'm about glad Carolina. I didn't see that. <laughs> I was just trying to represent out there for Carolina just to get the choice. CL, I think it it it, it took a while. For, for him to announce on Twitter. And, uh, you know, he announced late in the day. W- when is the most popular time on Twitter? Is it noon? Is it the noon hour? Um, yeah, probably. He waited. All he was talking about was his fraternity, you know, for the most part of the day. And some people were mistaking the colors to mean Mizzou. They, 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 no, I was like, no, guys. <laughs> but anyway, uh, when he finally came out, I was thinking, that's very interesting. Some, some news outlets were reporting Arkansas. I wonder if there was a little mix-up there, especially when Auburn got rid of the offense coordinator. I thought it was a shoe-in for Auburn. So you know what? I I, I do wish he would have come to Carolina. I'm gonna see. I don't. I guess I, I wish him all the best at Mizzou. Maybe he sees something special about his development as a quarterback. The best choice is the choice he made for Kelly Bryant. That's that's all I can go on. I uh, I think some of these reports. Basically, nobody knew because you saw reports all over the place on different schools that he was supposed to be transferring to and all this stuff. So hats off to Kelly Bryant. I don't think a lot of people were trying to use Jalen Hurts situation at Alabama and his redemption in the SEC championship game as a way to somehow say that's the only way it should be done. And I disagree with that. I think Kelly Bryant is making the best choice for Kelly Bryant in transferring from Clemson and. I'll give a hats off to this, and and this is a, his best decision to go to Missouri. All right. Well, hats off to you, CL, for another excellent show. This is fun, and folks, we hope that you're having fun. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram, Sibling Rivalry Sports. Uh, and come on back next week because we're going to do it again even bigger. I'm Chris Brown. I'm CL Brown. And this is Sibling, Sibling Rivalry, Rivalry Sports. Sports on WCHL 97.9 The Hill.